From hot mess to flaming success. Stories, musings and advice to help small businesses own their numbers. Hosted by MicroChili CEO and founder Sharon Crombie, in this episode she chats with Amy Hook, the founder of The Savvy Bookkeeper, about how to create a successful small business pricing strategy. Tune in every second Wednesday for a business podcast done differently. Welcome to our very first episode of From Hot Mess to Flaming Success. My name is Sharon and I am so excited to welcome you to our special guest, Amy Hook from The Savvy Bookkeeper. She's passionate about supporting small business owners. Amy is a bookkeeping owner as well with Off The Hook Bookkeeping. She's a mentor and podcaster and her ultimate goal is to help smart bookkeepers become savvy bookkeepers and experience more profit freedom and joy and I think ultimately Amy that's what we all go into business for that's why we leave mainstream corporate so you know first things first thank you so much for joining us on our very first episode we are so excited to have you here yes thank you can you just tell us a little bit about you and a little bit about Savvy absolutely yeah so well I guess want to start by just thanking you as well for inviting me it's very exciting you know obviously we've worked together for quite a while and known each other for a while so it's, it's very exciting to see you starting your podcast and yeah I feel very privileged to be on the show so thank you yeah as you said I am a bookkeeper so I, I run a bookkeeping business at the moment so I started I've been bookkeeping for I think it's like 26 27 years now you know I started working for my dad back when I was a teenager and I've just I just fell in love with bookkeeping and I've always really been a kind of like puzzle problem solving kind of person and so that's sort of what got me into bookkeeping in the first place I really enjoyed it as a young person and then after you know working for an accounting firm for over a decade and I you know I'd learned some bookkeeping while I was working there I just enjoyed bookkeeping more so I ended up going out on my own so I ended up leaving the accounting firm I wanted to get out of the office I didn't want to be just stuck in the office all day staring at the computer I wanted to be with my clients and you know really helping them on a deeper level and I found that bookkeeping allowed me to do that so started my own bookkeeping business and then it really wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be like I had not realized how many of the business side of things that my boss had been taking care of that I had not been exposed to you know as someone who was really a technician in their trade I thought I understood business when I started my business and I realized you know it's not just so bookkeeping skills you need something so much broader than that to understand how to run a business like marketing skills and sales skills and administration hiring all those sorts of different areas so um, yeah so I found that really tough I actually closed the business down and I sidestepped I'd been I'd started a little side hustle designing websites for bookkeepers that just came about because a colleague saw mine and said, can you make me a website? And I thought, yeah, like I love creating things as well. I'm sort of like a double dose of like logical and creative at the same time. So I kind of started that. That's when I got an insight into running a business that was not a bookkeeping business. And that really broadened my view on business. I realized that even though, you know, it filled in some of the missing pieces of the puzzle where I had struggled in the bookkeeping business the first time. So I kind of decided, all right, I feel confident to start the business again. So I kind of restarted it. And, but in the meantime, I developed all of these mentoring programs for bookkeepers because what happened with the websites is if you want a website, you need to know who your target market is. And bookkeepers didn't 
didn't know. So I developed some templates to help them figure it out. And then that kind of evolved into like a business plan template. And then from there, I realized like bookkeepers need help with all the other areas of their business. So I developed some pricing resources, some hiring resources, and I really fell in love with the pricing aspect of things. So that's kind of like my little niche, you know, helping bookkeepers set up their pricing with their bigger picture goals in mind. Uh, For me, that you were instrumental from that side of things when MicroChili launched, you know, it was a massive, massive part and how we really got to know each other, I think, and the things that you do. You gave me, as a business owner, not just a bookkeeper, you gave me the confidence to build my business how I wanted to build it. So I think, you know, you're instrumental in helping bookkeepers, I think, have the confidence to go out and and do what they want to do. So, you know, for me personally, I'm very grateful for Savvy. um, I'm glad you didn't just say it's the as the bookkeeping practice. I just love working with bookkeepers. I actually was, this is really weird, but I thought I was thinking this when I got up this morning. I just thought, you know, like, yes, I did restart the bookkeeping business and, you know, because I felt like it helps me stay connected with the industry and to connect with bookkeepers. And, you know, I I mean, many of my clients in the bookkeeping industry now have uh, bigger, more successful businesses than me in the bookkeeping space, but I love having that real life business to, to develop my resources and things like that. But at the end of the day, I was just, I was thinking, this is what I was thinking this morning. Gosh, I love working with bookkeepers. They're just like the, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I'm just biased or I like, I don't know what it is, but I just feel like they're just like the, they're just the greatest people to work with. Like, I feel like they're so, you know, they appreciate what I do. They value my input. They listen, they follow, you know, the suggestions that I put in place. Like they're, they're just really great, like very friendly to work with and that kind of thing. Whereas I felt like when I was more broadly working with just business, business owners and entrepreneurs I kind of really struggled whereas when I found that niche working with bookkeepers I just yeah I feel like that's sort of my happy happy place bookkeepers and pricing they're like the two things that I love so it's really cool definitely and um, both of which are fundamental in business at the end of the day I think especially pricing so you know pricing is a big topic you know that's the Mm -hmm. theme of our chat today for sure you obviously help bookkeepers with their pricing that is Mm -hmm who your niche is for sure but ultimately pricing is pricing so even for small business owners and that's a big topic for us at MicroChili to kind of work with pricing for our business owners and what should small business owners do do you think to work out their pricing because for me like when I'm working with my clients a lot of it as well is mindset do you do you think the same like when they're putting their pricing strategy together they think it's too expensive or they want to work with the hourly rate how do you work with you know, yes. to business owners. My main core resources and like training is all centered around service-based businesses. However, we have started to adapt what we're doing with digital products. We haven't expanded it to physical products yet. There are some overlapping principles like kind of on the high end that are still going to apply but when you're delving into the details obviously there'll be some differences in terms of pricing a physical product that's potentially a small value versus pricing your time as a service provider because when it comes to products you know you can extract yourself from the business whereas when you're selling your time it's like how do I like I can't extract myself from the business because my time is my time and so we often hear that there's a saying you know stop trading your time for money and it's like well I'm a bookkeeper like how can I do that 
But obviously, with you know, there's many other businesses that provide services and to charge an hourly rate. And then obviously, there's a lot of businesses out there that sell digital products and then you know the phys- physical products as well. So some of the concepts I'll talk about today uh, will apply across the board. Some of them will be a bit more specific to that service-based business. So yeah, but yeah. on the high level end, you know, the same principles apply at the, nice. at the high end of that. So yeah, definitely. And I think service-based. I think predominantly, exactly like you said, that's way more difficult, I think, to price out for the simple reason that business owners, are like, like you said, for a product, the price is the price. So you know what you need to put on on top and, you know, a little yes. bit of time. But ultimately, when you're charging for your time, what yes. is your worth that people yes. are going to pay at the end of the day? Yeah. So, yeah, yes, that's, that's right. a great point. So why do you think it's important, Amy, for... For business owners to get this right from the get-go, it's why do you think that's important? I mean, obviously, when a business owner first starts out, so when anyone starts a business, the question of how much to charge is always a question. It's one of the first questions. With products, obviously, it's a little more obvious because you've got your wholesale prices and then your recommended retail prices. And then often with physical products, the market is also going to really determine the value and what they're willing to pay. But if you take a step back from that, and this applies to all types of businesses, you've, you've got different things that people value. So I think value is a massive thing that businesses need to focus on. So let's say like we both sell like some kind of a widget, whatever it might be, like glasses. So let's say you're an optometrist and you sell glasses, you also sell a service that goes with that. Then when you sell those glasses, you're not just selling the item the piece you know the piece of plastic with the glass in it you are selling a service that goes with it even if you're a business that just sells glasses over the counter and you don't do any kind of optometry consulting or anything like that you've still got the ability to give a great customer service and if you do give that great service then people may be more likely to come to your shop even if your product is more expensive because they're paying for so much more than that It could be something as simple as like the the decor that you have in your shop or, you know, maybe you have really nice comfy waiting chairs or you, you know, you have like, you know, that great technology that allows you to try on the glasses and take snapshots of yourself and things like that. So I know I haven't directly answered your question just yet, but I, I, I will get there. So I think focusing on value is like is one of the biggest factors that a business owner would need to do regardless of whether they're selling products or whether they're selling a service. So when you start out pricing, usually the way you do it is you go, okay, how much is everyone else charging? And then you just copy what they do. You ask around and then you weigh that up with a little bit of like, and this is what I feel comfortable charging. And yeah, you kind of, it's, it's very much an internal decision that's kind of very centered around yourself yeah. um, and what you think and how you feel. Uh, whereas as a business owner would start to grow and make these proper pricing decisions, they're going to zoom out further than themselves and they're going to start to think about it from the client's perspective. So yeah. Definitely. No, I just honestly, I think it's brilliant. Obviously, we've talked about obviously the difference between product and service-based businesses and, and the difference in the value. Yep. Now, for small business owners, Amy, that mm. kind of just set a price at the beginning that, yeah. oh, this is how much I think that a, my service is worth. And yes. again, we've talked about value. And yeah. then as they kind of get further on down the line, they realize that, do you know what? I've priced my product at X. 
but it's taken me way more time than what I thought it was going to take. Yes. And they yes. realize that they're actually making a loss. Now it becomes yes. very difficult then. How very do common. they manage? Yeah, exactly right. And how do they manage then increasing their prices without ruining that client relationship, I guess? Yes. That, well, so that that's literally what I specialize in, in terms of the service-based bookkeepers that I work with. The yeah. big question is I've already started charging this. My clients are used to it. It's a recurring service. How do I change it without losing them or upsetting them? So when you're pricing your services, firstly, not only should you be thinking about with your customer in mind rather than just thinking from your own perspective, but you should also be thinking from the big picture perspective of your business. So the one of the first things that we do in my program and anyone anyone who's listening now could even just do this while they're listening, you know, get a pen and paper and write down how much you need to pay yourself as a salary, as a business owner. This is a critical step that most people don't, it doesn't occur to people, especially the service-based businesses, because they come in and the hourly rate that they get, they're like, well, because you, you know, usually when you're a sole trader, you charge money, you've got some expenses and whatever's left over, that's just your money. Yeah. And But you, what you haven't done in there is then deducted a further amount of what you would pay yourself, which is your profit. So most business owners don't think to do that. They just sort of take what's left over. And so I always say, sit down. You can even go to, if you Google, and we can grab the link to put in for your listeners um, right. afterwards, but okay. if you Google um, ASIC, Money Smart, so as in Australian Securities and Investment Commission, so ASIC, A-S-I-C, Money Smart, um, Budget Planner or Home Budget, you'll find a template there and it is, it's just a home budget template that's very easy to kind of like adjust and things like that. If you don't feel comfortable putting your, your budget data straight into the internet because it does, it saves it via a cookie, you can just download it as an Excel document. And so um, what I get my clients to do, the very first step is to do a home budget. How much does your current life cost you? How much money do you actually need to pay yourself if you were paying yourself a wage? Now, if you went to your accountant and said, hey, how much should I be paying myself as a salary? Your accountant's going to tell you from a tax perspective how much you should pay yourself. They always do that because that's their expertise, it's tax. If you come to me and ask, I say, okay, that's great. Run this by your accountant afterwards and figure out what the tax is. But I want to know how much do you need to live to pay for your rent or your mortgage and your kids' expenses and, you know, getting your hair done and all the things that you pay for on a regular basis. So most people have never actually even sat down and done a budget. And for those who have done a budget, then that's really good because they're sort of ready to do the next step. But just make sure it's up to date. So pop all your figures in and whatever, and, uh, you know, you put all your expenses in and then you work out how much income you need to put in to cover all of that and have a bit left over for savings and investments and things like that. So that's the first step. And then from there, you can basically go and you can duplicate that, that worksheet. So if you, you know, you just make it like an exact copy of it and then you pretend that it's five years in the future and you go, okay, now what are my expenses? And you go, okay, well, the kids will be finished school. So I won't be paying school fees and uniforms. So you can delete those lines and then you go, okay, well, I can probably afford to maybe, I don't know, I can afford to start getting my nails done. I'll put that in there or I can afford to take an extra holiday each year. And by then I would have paid off my car. So you kind of go through and you make some adjustments of like, what would, would my lifestyle look like? And you might even say, okay, and by then I think we might want to move to a bigger house because, you know, we'll have um, our kids will be older or maybe you want to move to a smaller house. So you kind of adjust those figures as well. So then you'll 
see, okay, I've either got a, you know, leftover or not a leftover amount. So you can just go up and then change that salary amount. And then you'll know, okay, so in the future, in five years time, I'm actually going to need this amount. And, you know, depending on what stage of life you are at, it's probably going to be more. So then you've got your sort of, you've got your now goal and your five-year goal. And then what you do is you take that, that salary goal and you enter it into your business budget as an expense. (laughs) So that's the key there, because often that's one of the basic steps that we're not doing as business owners. We're not, we take our income minus our expenses and we go, cool, I'm making $40 an hour, but we don't take off the $40 an hour or $35 an hour that we should be paying ourselves as a wage. And then we don't realize we're actually only making $5 an hour. And when we usually figure it out, the time we figure this out is when we try and hire someone. And then we're like, I don't have the money to hire. And you know, if I hire someone, then I have no money left. So this is, you know, a really critical step that should really ideally be taken at the very startup of a business. But in reality, I don't feel that startups, that startups are often not ready. There's kind of a bit of a journey startups need to go through. It's usually about a year of sort of trial and error and wanting to do things a certain way, you know, usually. Usually it's after that 12, 12 months of businesses come and go, okay, I need to figure this out. But anyone can kind of take that advice and, and start that off. That's a massive cost that needs to be factored in when, when you do your pricing. Yeah, definitely. It is. And, and this is what we always say to our clients as well. I mean, ideally, mm. you, need, you kind of need to do this with your clients, like you said, from the get-go or it becomes harder. But, you know, ultimately that doesn't mean that just because you didn't do it at the beginning, that six months or 12 months down the line that you can't change it no. then. And I think, you know, sometimes if you need to let a client go in order that you can grow, Absolutely. then that's what you need to do. Yeah. And that definitely happens, you know, in the program that I run for bookkeepers. So we have a 97% proposal acceptance rate. So that means out of all the clients, they decide to transition only three in a hundred actually leave so we have a very good success rate because I've developed some processes and if I can give you one tip from those processes of how to change prices without upsetting your clients it's going to be again zoom out and like what we do is we make a plan first so we actually make a list of all the clients and what those billings are and we make a list of ideally what they should be and we also go through and we work out different things that have nothing to do with pricing. We like we factor in things like, you know, how much we enjoy working with that client and how much, um, you know, value we can provide them as a service provider, how much opportunity there is there. You know, we factor all of that in and then we kind of like organize our clients to, to just work out like, you know, we even work out things like what is your client's preferred communication style? Like we go a little bit granular. If you've got a client who you just know, like they love to sit down and have coffee and have a chat with you, then sometimes that's the best place to go and tell them that you're changing your prices. Whereas other clients are going to be like, yeah, yeah, just send me the new proposal and they'll just sign it. But in general, you know, we find it's the communication that is the key. So what we normally do is we let clients know well ahead of time that a pricing change or often it's not just a pricing change. So often it's a sort of, it's almost like a business restructure that's happening at the time. So often it happens in conjunction with a rebrand. So which kind of makes it easier in a way the client can understand, you know, there's some changes happening there, but that's what we talk about. We say, Hey, there's some changes happening in the business. Um, you know, we want to be able to provide you a higher level of service. We're going to be, 
um, making some changes, including the way that our packages are structured or the way that we uh, do our billing. And then we just, we let them know, uh, we give them a call. So we don't just send them something out of the blue. We give them a call. Um, We let them know that there's a proposal coming. We try not to get too much into the conversations on the phone in that initial phone call into the, you know, about the packages. We just say, look, we'll be sending you some information. And then if you have questions, let's uh, tee up a meeting or have a coffee or you know, that kind of thing. So it's really just, it's really about communicating with the clients um, and having that, you know, step-by-step conversation, being there willing to answer the questions. And also like just really starting with the easiest ones first, that helps you build your confidence as well. So yeah, for sure. And I think if you've provided value to these clients over the last you know, how, however long it's been that you've been working with them. Exactly like you said, I mean, you've got a 97% success rate and that's because yeah. you've already established the relationship yes. and the value already. So it's already there, I think. So yeah, yeah. Right. amazing, amazing tips. Do you know what? I think you've covered all of this off anyway. Because <laughs> what are the common mistakes that you see? But the common mistake is that... People don't work out. I think the fundamental thing is to work out their personal the budget first. They don't yeah. realize that, you know, that stage is kind of fundamental to the business and, and yeah. what you need to do. So I think yeah. they are definitely some of the common mistakes that we see too. Definitely. So, yeah. yeah. Not working out, I would say not working out the salary and putting it into the business budget, not having a business budget or setting those bigger picture goals. You know, once you've worked out, okay, well, I want this salary in order to have this salary, I need this much profit in order to have this much profit. I know my expenses are this. So then back, go backwards. This is how much income I need. And then, you know, you can work it out like that. The other one would be, like I said, um, with the value, you know, not thinking about the value to the client. So for example, I mean, we all know with a bookkeeping service, some clients, they think, oh, you know, bookkeeping is just data entry. They don't realize that financial data entry, um, especially bookkeeping, you know, can be, it's actually a very, like, it's actually a skill. And I mean, there's one, one of the things with bookkeeping data entry is it's the simple fact that an experienced bookkeeper is more likely going to know what a receipt is for because they've seen all of the suppliers. They've been around for 30 years, so they know what things are. But despite that, it doesn't matter how many times you say that, a business owner may value that a lot less. You know, for example, if you charge more for payroll, a client can understand that payroll is like a really tricky area. There's a lot of risk involved. So I try and, you know, get businesses, you know, and it doesn't matter if you're a bookkeeper or if you're a copywriter or if you're a lawyer or any of those um, service-based professions, you can you can actually sit down and figure out like out of all of the things that I do, I think it's really important. Don't try and price the whole thing. This is one of the biggest mistakes actually that people try and price the whole thing as if it's one thing. So we always break it down into the smaller elements of service and find out, okay, out of all of these, what does the client value the most? Do they value the end of month meeting? You know, do they ever, do they just value not ever having to like really speak to you too much? Do they want you to just do the work in the background and get it done? Or do they value, you know, do they value getting a report at the end of the month, summarizing how their business performed? You know, it's so I think that values, you know, forgetting about the value or not knowing is a mistake. Clients, Amy, do you break it down to that degree for them so they can see the value in each element, or do you just give it to them as a whole? We break, how, how yes. do you break it yeah, down. Yeah, so when it comes to quoting, we, we do break it down. We usually just show the total of the price, but we break down the different categories of the types of services that we do. It just, it just helps people to understand okay, so bookkeeping it includes 
you know, this list of items and payroll includes this list of items and it just helps them. It just gives them a bit of a broader kind of context of what's going on with the bookkeeping, you know, kind of, yeah, I think breaking it down like that really helps. So, Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. You know what, on some great, great tips um, <laughs> that you've given business owners, Amy, and I think ultimately pricing is the big, big thing in every single small business. And what I'll do, I would love to get, you know, some resources from you. Um, So the one that you were talking about earlier for the personal budget, that would be great. And we'll put that link there. And also, if we'll just put some links in, you know, for anyone that wants to work with you, Amy, it would be great, I think, if we can put a link to, to your resources and how people can get in touch with you so that they can work with you in terms of pricing. Because like I said, when I did my pricing model, you know, it was instrumental for me, but not just that, the value now that we can give to our clients. You know, when we're talking about pricing with them as well, it's it's a massive thing. So your influence has been far and wide because you started with me, who started yeah. with my clients, who will start with their clients. So, yes, you know, yes. it's, it is, it's a flow on. Oh, absolutely. It's definitely great. Like when I do the training with bookkeepers, I say, once you've mastered this, you know, all of this can be applied to what you do with your clients and, yes. you know, to pass that on. Because ultimately, I mean, you know, my passion is to see business owners succeed. It's just that I enjoy working with bookkeepers so much. I feel like empowering and educating bookkeepers and equipping them with the tools to help yeah. more business owners. You know, yeah. that's sort of where my where my passion um, yeah, and skills definitely. lie. Definitely. So, yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. It's great. Well, like I said, honestly, thank you. thank you so much. Thank you so, so much for being our first guest. Oh, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> no, you're so welcome. You're an absolute rock star. So, Thank you again. And like I said, we are for all of our listeners, we'll put the resources out so that anyone can get in touch with you. And we will speak to you soon. Amazing. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you, Thank Amy. You. See ya. Bye. Bye-bye. Stay tuned for our next episode where you'll hear from Mira Chacona, the founder of The Life of a Virtual Assistant, who will share her business journey, how redundancy was the best thing that ever happened to her, and some social media marketing tips. The From Hot Mess to Flaming Success podcast features entrepreneurs who have successfully scaled, marketing experts who'll help you grow, even on a shoestring budget, and small business owners just like you, who talk candidly about their journeys, learnings, and struggles.